The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius, your source for horror, sci-fi, suspense, and all things violent. Thank you so much for joining me today on Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius. Today we have episode 159. At the end, I will be reading a scene from Trying to Die at Grandma's House. Probably not too. Feeling kind of lazy. Thursday afternoon, Thursday morning. Uh, this is my new schedule. I am now recording on Thursdays, putting it out Friday mornings. That way I have all of Friday just to chill and be creative. And it is awesome. So after I do drop off the kids, I smoke, do yoga, workout, and then from nine o'clock until two o'clock, I am able just to be creative, shut everything else down. Um, it was wonderful. So that's my new routine. It's also improving um, subscriber rates, like newsletter opens, which is awesome. Uh, not something I had really thought about before, but I had been sending out these new le- newsletters at 4.30 on a Friday, and that's a terrible time to be sending them out, and that means I'm rushing all day Friday trying to get this newsletter and podcast done. So doing it on Thursdays and then being able to relax and be creative on Fridays, that's super cool. That's an awesome new thing I'm doing. One of the things that was been pretty cool this week, uh, and lots of people might see it as as a, as a little thing, but I thought it was super cool. Um, on Thursday night, uh, I was swimming with my son, and he decided he wanted to show me how to float. And I was like, I've never been able to float. My whole life, I've never been able to float. Or, I don't know, maybe as a kid, I just don't remember. But as an adult, for sure, I couldn't. I always figured it's something with my body. I'm like, nope. I tried, I tried, I tried, I just can't do it. And, uh, but he was determined to show me and I was trying all these different things. Sure. It wasn't going to work, but just going for it. And then finally, one of the techniques he showed me worked and like, it wasn't great, but I was able to do it and just like, it really clicked. Um, and it was just so cool. And he was really, really happy for me, but was I, I hugged him and I was t- just telling him, I was like, dude, I was like, you were such a good teacher. Look, I've never been able to do this. You taught me this. Uh, you did a great job of this, this, and this. And um, and so it was a great experience between us. And then the last couple of nights he's been in the pool, he's been saying, hey, I want to work on your, your floating some more because um, I'm not great at it yet. So uh, it's just been really cool. And then last night it really clicked. Um, and again, like it was just the, uh, really good experience so just showing him that yes you know he could be he could teach me something um so that was a a really cool experience this weekend was great Uh, both kids had a volleyball tournament my daughter did awesome uh it was great to see and what was cool like not every play did she do awesome there were plays where she made errors but it's it was nice to see like just how everyone does that. Like all, all the players were like that. They were off and on, off and on. Um, Liv really turned it on at the end. I had a super cool block. Everyone was like, oh, wow. Um, I had a couple of different fathers come up to me like, is that your daughter? Wow, man. And just very impressed with her. Think that she has a very bright future, um, which I believe she does no matter what she goes into, whether it's singing or, you know, if she continues going that direction and goes into getting her own band or whatever, I, th- I think she has that potential. I think she could excel at sports. Um, she's very bright. Yeah, I know I'm bragging about my daughter, but that's what I tell her. And I tell her, 
you know, just I, I, I love being able to point out her strengths and what I see in her because I think so many people uh, limit themselves. I had perfectionist beliefs my, you know, problem my whole life um, where I never thought I'd be good enough or I would never amount to anything. So I couldn't imagine the thought like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be successful. Like I didn't have that. I was like, I'm not going to amount to shit. I'm going to fucking end up killing myself. I didn't care about myself. Um, that's the kind of shit I don't want for my kids. So when I can, I point out all the positives, why I love them, what's so good about them. Um, and always thinking too, like, well, fuck, maybe I'm going to die soon. You know, what do I want them to know? I don't want them to know that, oh, yeah, my dad loved me. I was like, no, okay. I want it. I don't know. There's a lot of shit I want to pass on to them. And so I try to do that as often as possible. I'm not saying I'm the best at it. For sure, I'm not. Uh, but when it, when I do have those talks, when I do have those experiences, it's really cool. It's good to be mindful of them. And I think it's cool to share them. So maybe you guys will look for those opportunities as well. Um, bump, 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 bump. Um, all right, all right. Enough of that sissy shit. There I go again. God damn it. What's wrong with me? Um, I should watch my mouth. Sorry if I offended anyone last week with the title of the podcast, Eating Ass and Taking Names. Um, found out something interesting on, I guess, Podbean or whatever. I don't know. I, I, I didn't even take the time to look it up. But on iTunes, uh, that's what I put the name out as. But then it was changed back. It The word ass was left out. So on iTunes and Podbean and everywhere else, Spotify, I think it's just called Eating and Taking Names. They just left out ass completely. So... And I was like, I was like, yeah, I guess that could be kind of offensive. And so I apologize if I've been anyone. Um, I'm realizing this next book is going to offend a lot of people. Um, my wife was even asking if I wanted to, you know, if I should really do it, if I should just tone it down, if, you know, and just thinking about like how that could affect, um, you know, maybe my kids or whatever, depending on any kind of reaction to it. Um, but that's my thing. I was like, I was like, no artist can, should change what they're going to do based off of how their kids might look at it or, or them being judged because their dad is a little bit nuts. Anyhow, uh, so I'm not going to worry about that. I'm no, eventually they'll probably read my stuff and I'll just say, Hey, whatever. It's just a story. This is a story that came to me. I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to affect people. I think it will uh, definitely trigger a lot of people. Um, but, and it's going to be difficult to write. A lot of these things are going to be super difficult to write. Um, but I think they will be good. I'm very excited about the book all day. So I worked on that all day Friday. I think a lot of Saturday after the volleyball stuff. Um, thinking about it all weekend long. Okay, how can I how can I rework this book? I think last week I showed you guys um, what I did in my big piece of paper, which was you know, break it down into 33 scenes. I thought it was going to be 33 scenes. Um, I was like, damn, it's a lot of work. I was able to rework that, broke it down, and like, oh, okay, and fix the timeline. I was like, okay, now I know these 33 scenes are actually 27 scenes. I'm just going nine scenes per act. Um, so each character is getting uh, nine scenes. Um, I know the timeline. It all takes place within 24 hours on New Year's Eve to New Year's Day. Uh, which I think 5 p.m. to 5 p.m. So that's going to be a lot of fun. So it's going to be fast paced. Um, I have the whole timeline. I know exactly what happens. I have each of these. So not only do I have the 27 short stories broken down, 
uh, and I know what kind of happens, but then I have them broken down. The next step for me is I just break them into thirds, so beginning, middle, end. So I know what happens on each of those steps. Now I'm starting to develop them. Um, I believe there are seven, it's either seven or eight sex scenes. Three of those you may not count. So if you're one of those prudes that thinks both people need to be alive in order for it to count as sex, then let's say five. But if you're open-minded, uh, then I think it's eight. So like I said, some of this stuff is going to be disgusting. Um, and I might tone it down. Maybe I'll tone it down. Maybe I'll have a disgusting version for uh, super fans. I don't know yet. Um, but, you know, I, I just have to tell the story the way it's got to be told. The, this kid, I was telling my buddy. So there's three characters. One is a priest. Turns out he's a sex addict. Um, so that's going to be super interesting. That explains the confessional and lots of these other scenes uh the other guy is a private investigator brother and then the other one has been from day one of his birth he's been just treated terribly like the worst you could imagine having to kill at a very young age like as a baby on uh whether little an like insects and then animals and then other little kids and then adults um but he's and then completely tattooed uh all these alterations surgeries so he's been mishandled he's been he's been treated as a machine and his only mission is to kill hurt rape um so this guy is brutal so i'm gonna have to figure out his mindset like okay what would someone be like because this is all first person so that's gonna be tough first i'm figuring out the priest i think i have him almost figured out then I will do the private investigator. Then I will do machine or whatever his name is going to be. Um, so not going to be easy, but super cool to have all that nailed down. Um, then something that really helps a lot. This is something I try to do with everything on my writing. You probably won't be able to tell. You wouldn't be able to read it anyhow because my writing is crazy. But I just drew the whole thing out. Um as far as scenes, like, okay, up here is, that's where it starts. This is the church. That's one of the major areas. So it starts here with one. Uh, that's Tom. He's all colored pink. The other guy's blue and then green. And so it lets me track where they are, where they intersect, uh, timeline, um, all that kind of stuff. And by doing it like this, where I get to see the visual, um, it often adds to uh, other ideas. Like, oh, shit. Yeah, the bar could just be down the street. It doesn't have to be miles away. Oh, and if that happens, then this could happen. And then, oh, how about if they take this alleyway right here and like, oh shit, then this. So it just helps me um, see it better. I like doing it. I like drawing stuff out. And again, uh, one of my friends, oh, Alvin was making fun of my little cars. Alvin, god damn you. Uh, no, I thought that was funny. Um, but like, you don't have to be able to draw for shit. They can be stick figures. It doesn't matter. It's like, I just am drawing out kind of where it takes place and so I can just a different way of seeing it. Uh, so that's been super cool. Uh, been enjoying that and almost done right now. What I've, the other thing I've been doing, I think last week I said, you know, it was 83,000 word novel, uh, garbage. Um, yeah. So embarrassing how bad my writing was. This was, it was officially 14 years old uh, when I first finished the novel, but the idea was, you know, way from, like nine years even before that. Um, 
But yeah, just awful, awful right now. Even if I kept a third person, the whole thing would have to be rewritten. And now the story's changed. Um, but what I am doing is I'm taking ideas, I'm taking chunks of the book, figuring out where they go into the new story, and then I'll go through them and just take out all the garbage. And I'll probably be left with a decent amount. So, um, and then I could get to the real writing. And I and I wrote lots of uh, scene one already with the confessional and all that. Um, and I'm liking it. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, excited about that. Uh, my goal for that is to be able to release it by December. So that is going to be pushing it. But I am very motivated. I think I can do it. Today, I am going to shift gears uh, just for a little bit. Uh, just for the afternoon, I will be going over Glenn's chapter two and maybe three of Death Fest, his final changes. Uh, I'll be talking to him about that, next steps. And then, so later tonight, I will then go back into um, our fucked up little family and develop it more until Glenn gives me something else. Um, I just sent off a list of all the books that I have planned for the next uh, three to five years. I sent that to an agent when I was expecting them. I think there were 11 more Try Not to Dies in that time period, at least, that have been scheduled. Um, it's going to be more than that, man. And then uh, there'll be at least every year I am going to be doing the Try Not to Die bite-sized stories. I will also be doing the tales. Well, this Our Fucked Up Little Family will be the project this year. Um, but all told, it should be about, I think it was like 19 books, uh, something like that. So 19 books planned for the next three years, uh, which is awesome. Uh, now I just got to pull it off. So very ambitious. Uh, but let's say let's say 15 books in the next five years. Even that is awesome. So I would be happy with that. Um, we'll see what happens. Another burst of creativity happened yesterday, which was pretty cool. It was sparked by a stupid picture I took of uh, both of my cats. Or I have three cats. Two of them are on me all day long uh, during the day. And the third is on me during the night or on someone else. He's not always on me. Um, but yeah, these two, Ghost and Midnight, are always around uh, with writing. They like to be, I have a recliner. And they'll just go right between my legs. So yesterday, I think, I took a picture of them. I, or two days ago, I, I took a picture of them between my legs and said, oh, look, I just gave birth to two cats. Ha <laughs> uh, Emily Haynes mentioned something about, oh, be careful with the claws. And I thanked her for the unpleasant image. And a couple of minutes later, I already had this whole story in my head. Uh, and I'm sure it's been done a bunch or before. Um, but of a woman giving birth to a cat and how painful that would be. So uh, I asked people for names in the group and let me read these wonderful names to you. Maybe you guys can help me decide. Um, I thought some of them were pretty great. All right, so I am not gonna read off the names for this, but you guys can decide. So I put, and this is in the dark and disturbing fear-filled fiction, which you should be a member of if you're not uh because we're so cool okay here it is so here's the post i put up i just realized that i misspelled the word here I, instead of putting let's hear h-e-a-r but let's hear h-e-r-e so don't post shit when you're high lesson number one uh, and also authors make mistakes a lot um so let's hear some titles for a short story about a woman giving birth to a cat um coochie meow meow Squeezing out the kitty, 
pussy. Um, meow. We're having kittens. Meow, pussy. Catwoman. How I met your mother. I clawed my white way out. Fur baby. The nails. Watch out for the nails. There's a kitty in my clitty. Catchy, just not biologically correct. She noted. I said, very catchy. We could switch it to uh, there's a kitty clawing my clitty. Um, and we're talking about this. Could also be a children's illustrated book. Uh, came from her pussy. Uh, the cat inside of us. Uh, pussy cat. The birth of a taco. Dark taco cat. Uh, perception. My inner animal. Cat son. Cat daughter. Cat baby. Feline poorly. The gruesome tales of a furry. A perfect birth. That's pretty funny too. Uh, so yeah, some good selections. I'm sure we can mix it up. But there was one in there I liked a lot. My favorite was just Pussy. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense. So that is the one I'm working with for now. Maybe I'll change it. I don't think so. Um, so unless you guys convince me otherwise, if you want to write in, put in the comments what name you would go for it. Um, but I think it's going to be, I don't know. Then the, re the story came to me so quickly. Uh, I think by the time I had written that, I'd already had the story in my head. You know, I knew it was a little boy like my son. My son wanted to turn into, when he was younger, he wanted to turn into a cat. He was hoping for, I think, his sixth birthday or seventh birthday, he'd become a cat. He loves cats. Cats are definitely his thing. Um, he would love it if his mom had a cat as a baby. So I picture this little kid. Uh, I'm not sure where they're at yet. I think they're going to be in a place with either around voodoo or something else but he's going to pray to the wrong type of person um, that his mother give birth to a cat and something's going to happen. I don't know. Maybe just be a normal baby brother that meows. Maybe it'd be cute. Maybe it could be an illustrated story, um, but I think it's going to be gross and disgusting. And I don't know. And I'm not sure when I'm going to write it. Uh, I'll probably be working on that and our messed up little family uh, for a while. That leads to the most inappropriate question of the week. Not from a reader. It's actually from someone I like a lot, my acupuncturist. We talk all the time uh, at, during sessions. Uh, I was telling her how proud and excited I was about this new idea, uh, that it was going to be great, but it's also the most disgusting thing. I told her the title, Our Fucked Up Little Family, and she thought that was an awesome title. But then she also asked me if it was an autobiography. <sighs> nope. This is fiction. As a way to distract me from the inappropriate question, Emily Haynes asked another one. She asked about the cats and if they helped me relax and helped with my anger. And I said, what the fuck's your problem, Emily? You think I'm always angry? You think I'm mad? You think I need cats? Uh, no, I didn't do that at all. Uh, in my head, I did that as a joke, but I would never say that out loud. Or even, I might have typed it. Um, but anyhow... The cats probably do uh, help me relax. I don't want to give people the wrong impression, though, with TBI or CTE and with everything else and with me talking about anger uh, and that I have anger issues or whatever. Uh, I'm pretty chill. I have, I have a pretty uh, relaxed attitude. I, I don't let a lot of stuff bother me, especially with all the hypnosis. I've been even more so. Uh, so I don't want to give people the wrong impression. I'm always, before the old me would just be, uh, you know, I might be triggered. Like the other day 
actually, I think it was yesterday. Yesterday, yeah, I was triggered. I flipped someone off because they did something that upset me. They ran the stop sign, almost kind of hit me. I mean, they didn't, but it was enough to piss me off. And I got it got the best of me. I was triggered real quick. I was angry. I flipped them off. Didn't turn into anything. Um, but I was disappointed. Like within, and I, that was right before I did yoga and smoke. And then like 10 minutes in, I realized like, man, I'm disappointed with the way I reacted. Um, I don't want to react that way. Uh, I should have thought of it like this. Um, so, but you know, that's just like a normal thing, but that would be the extent of my anger. Um, pretty much throughout the day. I, I'm chill. I'm relaxed. I uh, let shit slide. Uh, and I don't have a very stressful life, which is nice. Like I, I stay home. I take the kids to school. I pick them up, um, you know, appointments, stuff like that. But majority of times it's being able to do other stuff that helps me stay cool. You know, because I'm able to do the, the yoga and the weights in the morning, uh, that helps a lot. I could turn to yoga. I could do breathing. I could do the song. I could, I have a lot of different outlets to, and, and writing, um, just helps me stay, uh, really chill. But to answer your question, the cats probably do, uh, help me relax. I, I don't mind them at all. Uh, yeah. So they probably, they probably help me relax more right now. I'll let you even see for those of you that are watching, uh, they're waiting for me. They're over there. That's, so that's where they usually go um, when I'm sitting there. Today, I had to convince them to go there without me. Uh, they would much rather I be there. But uh, yeah, so they probably helped me relax. Other question is from Rebecca Dotson. I forgot to answer hers last week or came too late. Okay, Rebecca's question. What side would you be on if you lived in your bright side book? Um... So, awesome question. I told Rebecca, I was super excited by the question. I told her, yeah, we'll discuss it in the group. I'll do it live. Um, you know, and then in my head, I was like, I'll even do a giveaway that's based off of that. People could answer that question because it's a really interesting question. And I didn't do any of that because of, well, one, uh, yeah, being creative, all this other stuff. And being high, that comes with it. Uh, but it's a great idea. Maybe we'll do it next week. Um, I really want to do it. I just haven't had the time to figure it out. And I'm really staying away from things that just I don't want to do or causing too much anxiety at the moment. Like yesterday, I was going in my head. I was like, I had time. I was going to film two things with Derek. And I was like, I don't really feel like it. Like, And it was just going to be not worth it. So I was like, okay, you know what? I got my, I could go on my own schedule. Uh, and it's not like Rebecca expected anything. Um, so I will push it off until next week or the week after. Eventually, I will answer that question and we'll do something cool about it. All right, I feel like I'm forgetting something, but I've talked long enough and it's time to read from Grandma's House. Because I've talked too long, we'll make this one short. You guys only get one scene. I will tell you what happened though, if you picked incorrectly. Uh, the end of the last scene, your grandma says, if you don't go upstairs, lock the doors, and start a fire, we're going to die. So, did you go up and listen to her and start a fire? Turn to page 12. I told you before, you should always listen to your grandma. I think that was one of the lessons we learned. This time, if you listen to your grandma, you're still screwed because you don't know how to start a fire. Even when you find the matches, you have a super hard time. You can't get the fire started in time. The creatures are coming down the chimney. 
they pour out, they kill you. Sorry. All right, so let's do what you're supposed to. Well, not what you're supposed to. Let's do the correct answer. Find another way into the basement. 157. Here we go. Grandma's still calling after me from the basement, but I'm already out the front door. The only fire burning is the sky itself. Blood orange streaks spread across the sky as the sun descends. Night is coming, and I hear the creatures somewhere in the fields awakening to their precious darkness. I circle around the house, looking for anything, a window, some way to get down below. When I come upon the storm doors, I think I found my answer, but they're still sealed, except for the small sliver I pried open with the tire jack. I shove my hands inside and try to pull the doors open, but they won't move. I hear a strange electrical current emanating from what must be the lab. I don't even want to think what Grandpa might be doing to Sam. I have to find a way to open the doors. The remote might be in Grandpa's room or den, or most likely in his pocket. I see the flatbed truck by the shed. My feet barely stay underneath me as I run towards the truck, yank open the door and search the seat, the glove box, and bed. There's nothing but some old work gloves and rope. Only a few traces of pink remain in the sky. The blackness is devouring everything, and the creatures are beginning to crawl from whatever hole they've burrowed into to escape the sun. They sound hungry. A set of keys dangles from the rearview mirror. I rip them off, take my place behind the wheel. Maybe I could just drive the truck straight through the storm doors. I have to try. But just as I'm about to turn the ignition, I notice a little white remote taped to the steering column. I press it and I hear the whir of the storm doors. They're opening. I can't see the creatures, but I know they're moving in. I jump out and take off. I hear the little clicks of creatures' joints and claws. Suddenly the doors are closing. Grandpa or Grandma must be controlling them from inside. I'm only a few feet away. I'm not going to make it, and I didn't bring the remote to stop them from sealing shut. I'm going to be locked out with the black needle-teeth demons. I plant my foot and leap, dive through the closing doors. I land in the garage with a crunching thud against the gravel. The storm door is shut. Grandma's standing next to the lab door, her hand touching a small silver panel on the wall. Get in here. Now. I make it to my feet, but I'm too scared to go near her. Bursts of blue light appear from the lab, flashing on and off with the sizzling sound electricity makes. I can't hear Sam at all. I'm not going to tell you again. She grabs my arm and pulls me into the lab. Grandma shuts the thick sliding door, locking us into the room of madness. Sam is on a table next to the beast. Both are strapped down. They have oxygen masks over their mouths. Their chests are rising. She's alive. Clear tubes stuck in her arm seem to be coursing blood. I see the tubes connected to the beast. It's receiving a transfusion of her blood. Grandpa Joe, looking like Dr. Frankenstein, adjusts the dial on the huge metal ring. A blue electric force field shimmers in its center. It looks like someone has turned a kiddie pool on its side. Only the water won't fall out. Just ripples with tiny waves. What are you doing to her? Shh, your grandfather's working. Working on what? Tell me what's going on. Grandma Barb turns to me. He's saving your brother. Whatever hope I had that my grandparents are completely out of their minds evaporates. They drugged us, locked us in a closet, Strapped Sam to a gurney, all within 24 hours, and I didn't believe they were fully gone. But Grandma saying this beast on the table is Tim tells me their last drops of reason have been flushed down the toilet. 
I run straight for Sam, looking for something to use as a weapon, like the syringe on the little metal table. But Grandpa pulls it back. You will not ruin this. Let her go. Sam turns to me, her eyes barely opened. Whatever they've given her is strong. I don't even think she recognizes me. I touch her cheek. Her skin's cold and clammy. You're killing her. Everything's getting blurry through the tears. Nonsense, Grandpa says. We're simply drawing a few platelets for Timothy. Stop calling it that. It's not... Something grabs my wrist. It's warm and rough, and definitely not Grandma Barb. I hear the snarl. The beast is holding me and trying to open its eyes. I can't look at it. There's a small scalpel on the gurney, but I'm not sure if I can reach it. Oh no, what are you going to do? All right, grab the scalpel and stab the beast. Use the scalpel to fight Grandma and Grandpa and cut Sam free. Or wait and get a little closer to make a move. Hmm, tough choices. Two of them will get you killed. So choose wisely. All right, guys, I appreciate you listening. If you could subscribe, share, all that kind of stuff, that'd be awesome. I should probably actually take this thing seriously and try to grow it. And I haven't really looked into doing that yet. So help me out. If you are enjoying it, write a review. That would also be super awesome. What would be even cooler is if you figure out what your kids could teach you. Learn something from your kids. Uh, let them experience that. I'm still digging at. So, uh, and have an amazing weekend. All right, guys. Later. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.